0: But men typically doesn't cry, not because they cannot hear, but it could be because of a cultural norm that they are being uh, brought up with that crying is not something that is a normal thing for men to do. So, mm-hmm. and therefore, if they don't cry, uh, that does not uh, determine that, or that does not uh, so-called say that they do not have depression.
1: Hi, welcome to the WADT podcast. We are in the second episode of the Manhood 2.0 series where we talk about issues pertaining to men's mental health and uh, relationships. With us again today is Eugene Chong, Principal Counseling Psychologist at Seeding Minds. And today, Eugene will be helping us to understand depression. Uh, As in the previous episode also, we will be announcing a promo code that you can use for something special so keep listening to the end welcome again jujin
0: hello welcome thanks for inviting me
1: yeah so uh, today's episode i thought uh, i personally think that it's a very important uh, topic uh, in this uh, time where you know we have uh, covid social distancing working from home you know uh, and a lot yeah. of things <laughs> happening that make this topic very relevant so first question uh, what actually is depression uh, and uh, what does it look, sound, or feel like? Mm.
0: Okay, is it- That is a very, very important question. Actually, depression, right, is what we, uh, how, I mean, how it's been categorized with a set of core symptoms. And typically, most of the time, when we talk about depression, one of the most immediate symptoms that people think about or people uh, probably um, have seen before is a very low kind of mood and it always presents with the sense of the teary face that we see in either movies or with our friends. So there's a kind of crying uh, episode. And of course, other symptoms that go along with it will be a sense of lack like, of motivation. There's a loss of like energy and pleasure in things that they probably used to do or loved to do before. Of course, there's a fluctuation, whether it's more or less, both in appetite, sleep, Uh, also disturbance and sense of guilt as well. So these are all the general characteristics of depression, besides other more severe presentation.
1: I see. Okay, so what causes depression?
0: Well, I mean, there are many, many reasons. So maybe let me introduce this uh, biopsychosocial model to probably depict and also describe what exactly could be happening, but we are all not too sure. So, normally we use this term called multifaceted, uh, so called uh, approach in looking at depression. So, the bio aspect right, looks at uh, a few areas. One would be a genetic predisposition, which I think most of us would know. That although well, we did mention or researches indicate that there is a kind of a connection in terms of the possible predisposition in our genes, but we are not too sure. So this could be one of the factors, followed by some biochemical imbalance. That's where I think medication comes in to manage and to curb or to help the individual to function better. So that, on, that would be on the area of biological. Psychological could be a, a way whereby the person experiences certain negative thoughts, certain emotional uh, dysregulation that happens in their mind. They find it hard to regulate and also manage. So the other area is social could be family uh, so-called input, uh, family effect uh, towards their way of like their upbringing. And also it could be because of the environment that they grew up with, the people that they interact with, the way they look at themselves. Mm. So, in, so, so in a spectrum, like the biopsychosocial model probably described a bit more on the multifaceted kind of like uh, contribution towards depression.
2: I see. Wow. Sounds complicated. (laughs) Yeah. Not anyone. So, in other words, uh, many things can Mm. affect us, right? It could be something within us, you know, like you talk about personality, and then you talk about our environment, our family, our upbringing, uh, the circumstances that we face. um, You know, so it it sounds like, well, you know, there are many things that can affect us. And if Mm. we're not careful in terms of uh, how we think the thoughts that we hold in our minds and repeat it over and over again Mm. uh, could lead us down the path towards negativity then you know depression so our the title we've given to this episode is feeling down so is that an kind of an
0: accurate uh Name in other words for depression, yeah.
2: just feeling
0: down. Well, uh, I mean, I guess in general, you can say that feeling down, but because feeling down could be experienced by most people, okay? Yeah. because it's a sense of like a moment in time, a situation that we that probably you felt really kind of like low because of things that happen. It's, it's, uh, it's probably situational, it's transient. But when we talk about depression or maybe in this term, uh, either using the word called clinical depression or major depressive disorder as one of the key diagnosis, probably that will go further than that, further than just feeling down. But with other mm. presentation or symptoms that appear at the same time, that probably cause a lot of dysfunctionality in terms of their work, uh, their life, their, their daily activities, and many other areas.
2: Yeah. I guess for men, it's uh, a little bit more... Um, urgent. And uh, that's why we want to talk about it. Because yeah. I guess men tend to downplay, you know, depression, uh, mm-hmm. starting from postpartum depression, it means after the, you know, a newborn uh, a mm. baby, baby has been born. Uh, you know, we, we, all, we often think that uh, it's the mothers who more likely suffer from postpartum depression, but not the men. But what, what is uh, actually the case is it's been underreported because most men would just rationalize and explain it away. Oh, I'm just being stressed. Oh, I just woke up at the wrong, from, <laughs> from the wrong side of the bed. You know, oh, just having a hard day and things like that. Mm. Um, so I guess why we are talking about this is to tell men, hey, um, you know, don't underestimate uh, or don't overestimate yourself. You know, don't just bite the bullet and push through, although that is sometimes a good thing to do. But when it comes to feeling down, you know, well, take note, all right, if it's just lasting for a few hours or maybe a day, then yeah, you know, it could be just, yeah, one of those moody uh, episodes. But mm. if, if it lasts longer, would you say that's correct? You know, If it lasts longer, like a few days or even weeks or, you know, a week or two, then that is really time for you to, yeah, sit up and pay attention to it and do something about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that yeah, it's quite true. If it's uh, just a, a, a kind of like um, moments whereby you feel down, I think that I think that should be um, quite normal because we all do feel that. But what happens is that if this downness, as what we use in this case, right, kind of like perpetuate in uh, for a period of time, and this this period of time clinically we use it as a uh, window period of two weeks, but then sometimes I don't think that that may be. Um, uh, adequate to probably look at every single case. Some, some could be a bit longer, but generally in the sense that here we're looking at is that a chronic... I'm um, sorry, I used the wrong word. I would say that a more like a, a um, experience by this individual, kind of like experience the array of symptoms across a period of time. And the thing about men is quite unique is that typically when we look at depression, right? as I mentioned earlier, crying is one of the most uh, essential or symptoms that may appear in the person, but men typically doesn't cry, not because they cannot hear, but it could be because of a cultural norm that they are being uh, brought up with that crying is not something that is a normal thing for men to do. So, mm-hmm. and therefore, if they don't cry, uh, that does not uh, determine that, or that does not uh, so called say that they do not have depression, but just that do not they do not exhibit this element whereby they express themselves through crying, and therefore the difference between Uh, men and women is that because men doesn't cry, the expression will be a different form. And one of the most, uh, I would say, common area in terms of emotional expression is that they express through anger. That's where in the previous talk we talked about anger. So anger is an expression whereby they use it to actually unload themselves because they are feeling really stressed and sometimes it could be depression. So irritability as well as being restless. So in terms of the emotional symptoms, that will be quite prominent for men
2: you are listening to the WADT podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow or subscribe so that you will not miss any episodes. Share the link to this episode with someone you think that will benefit from it. We want to know what you think of this episode too. Please feel free to share your comments on one of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also email we are thatstool at gmail.com if you have a question or need help. And now back to the program. Yeah, yeah. so it's like
1: I, uh, I, how okay. men cope yeah, with depression. Different right. From the right. And think we need to be aware of that. Uh, in fact, you talk about anger and sad. These are like, seems to be on the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. And yet, you know, it, it can come as a symptom, right? That, uh, you know, shows the same uh the same uh emotion or the same uh underlying uh emotion right but i I probably want to um, touch back again on that part on parkson mentioned about uh you know we tend to not want to be seen as depressed or sad as men because i think uh, we see depression sadness as a weakness and if someone is to be labeled uh as you know you are having a depression uh episode or you know uh, state then you are seeing, seen as a uh, crazy you know sometimes to the extent or even yeah. weak maybe that's the reason why um you know uh we don't see uh, we see that this as a stigma
0: yeah. uh, i mean that's quite true so i think th- i think there's a reason men tend to fan off this idea that i'm feeling down that i'm not depressed not because they are not feeling uh, good about uh, about themselves or they are feeling uh, manageable, but rather they do not want to have this image that they don't look good. They they are they are kind of like portrayed as a person who is really weak. Because that's one of me for uh, about depression is that it it kind of like put a person or put a frame that when I have depression, I'm I'm weak in my character, I'm weak in my personality, I'm a weak person, or lacking willpower. Yeah, lacking willpower. Yeah, but, but of, of means, course, yeah,
1: it does really uh you know make you less of a man, you know. if <laughs> you have such a quality. It seems.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just this morning, you know, this morning I really didn't feel like doing anything. You know, I was just sitting there and trying to do get some work done, but I said I just don't feel like doing it. You know, I was supposed to do some housework. I also don't feel like doing it.
1: <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> Of you course, only you know, feel that, uh... that this morning.
1: I feel that every time, Watson. <laughs>
2: <Kocen. laughs> <laughs> so you know, I was asking myself, "Oh, is that depression?" I said, "No, no, oh, probably no. not." You know. So as you can probably. see, I'm I'm up again. You know, I'm on a upswing again and things like that. But talking about crying, I think, uh, yeah, you might not actually burst into tears, but I think now I I have been depressed. Uh, feeling depressed before I've never been diagnosed as being depressed in depression, but I know there are, there are moments uh, in the past. I, I remember quite vividly where if I'm alone, you know, I feel like bursting out in tears. Mm. All right. And, uh, but you know, somehow you, you manage to contain yourself and you prevent it from happening. You distract yourself with other thoughts. So I think that would be a, a good thing for men to, to also understand you don't you don't really have to cry because sometimes you do stop yourself before you actually do it, but you know just ask yourself: if you're alone right now, would you do that? I mean, do you actually feel like you know it's coming out already? It's bursting <laughs> at the seams, you know, and your whole uh, your whole being is like falling apart, right? You know that that is a that's a real telltale sign that things are not well within you and. You know the the right reaction, I guess, is not to man up, but to open up, yeah. <laughs> to open up to somebody that you trust and just talk about it, so that you do not feel uh, alone, uh, trying to resist it, trying to battle against it, and trying to overcome it.
1: So so I thought that the issue of uh, being alone, being you know this isolation, uh, is is relevant today, right? Because there's yes. more social isolation now with the pandemic. And it does affect our mental mental state. How how, how does that happen, and uh, how do you overcome it?
0: I mean, because um, as we are in this uh, in this season of pandemic, right? We are typically most of the time working from home. We are alone, and actually there are actually research, right? I I mean, I remember myself when I was uh, teaching, right? There was a particular uh, so called area that we look at social isolation, and then we come to social isolation, right? There are quite a huge impact in a few areas, as what some studies actually indicated, both in the behavior, the psychosocial, and the physiological area. And what they actually uh, found that right the more you're isolated, the tendency you will fall into depression because these three areas are not met. There's no behavioral kind of like uh things that you are doing that kind of create a kind of healthy habits. There's no psychosocial interaction that really gives you a sense of like comfort whereby you can see the person, whereby you can communicate, you can do things together. And of course, there's no physiological aspect whereby there's a lack of like what we call, typically nowadays, people are all in the sedentary lifestyle. They are not doing anything, they are eating, they are just on Zoom, they are just uh, watching Netflix. So a lot of these areas are not being actually kind of like um, enhanced or fulfilled, and therefore with social isolation, uh, with a prolonged period, right, it will cause many complications. And, uh, and then in this particular video that was done up, I think about 10 years ago, uh, they, they actually did this particular exper- uh, experiment whereby they get people to go into a social isolation state. And that's where they start to experience bizarre kind of like um, senses whereby they experience hallucination, delusion, during that moment of that period that they are in.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard about that uh, experiment too. And uh, some of them even want to kill themselves. Uh, you know, and I think one of the punishment <laughs> in the some prisons around the world is isolation, and uh, it can really affect, uh, you know, the the mental function, not not just the physical functions. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, so I think uh, depression for men is a serious topic, and I think what we want men to understand is that uh, it's not a sign of weakness. Uh, it's not an attack on your manhood okay it's uh, it only shows that you are human and uh, you know we are all different Uh, I think like you mentioned right at the beginning depends on your personality you know your uh, your habits your thinking patterns and your upbringing your circumstances many things can affect you and so you know we are just human Uh, we are being affected because we are emotional beings, and therefore, yeah, it's not a sign of weakness. It doesn't mean that you are weak, you have, you know, uh, weaker willpower, anything like that. So there's nothing to be ashamed of, right? And there's nothing, you know, no reason for you not to reach out to someone and get help. So I guess this is a good time for us to let our listeners know that uh, we are now, you know, talking to Eugene, from seeding minds, which is actually a private practice, and what they do is, uh, well, they help people in all kinds of uh, difficulties as they struggle with their emotions in their relationships. Uh, so, seeding minds, you know, has agreed to give our listeners uh, who contacts them and you know uh, wants to make appointments to see one of their therapists twenty percent discount for your first two counseling sessions. If you just call them up and use the promo code WADT2020, and you will get 20% discount for your first two counseling sessions. And these two sessions must take place before the 31st of July 2022. All right. So uh, we'll put the link to Seeding Minds in our show notes and you can contact them. So please do. Uh, as soon as you can. So so Eugene, related
1: to that, uh, getting Mm -hmm. help and what more, get get real help, Mm -hmm. professional help. I I can say that there's always that fear, fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what actually happens when someone, let's say someone wants to get help, right? And can you describe what uh, happens uh, to allay (laughs) the many fears that most of people may have uh, um, having to go through a process, you know, of uh, counseling, uh, like in such a situation.
0: I mean, I mean, I guess the first immediate fear is that they do not know what's happening. So humans tend to be quite fearful when they are not certain, when they are not in control. And most of the time, I will try to allay, uh, allay their fears by telling them how the thing is going to be like. So something to kind of get them more comfortable to have a kind of like understanding from where they are at rather than we go straight into the whole counseling process because I think it's important to build that kind of rapport before you do anything more formal. Like, formal could be asking them a lot about technical history, what happened, but it's to help them understand what exactly is counseling. What is the main purpose?
1: Yeah, so so like, I mean, I I, I can hear that it's almost like Professional coaching as well, um, although it's less regulated. like it comes to definitely, it's more regulated. But you talk about uh, one of the important thing is uh, confidentiality, right? As the part of the ethics. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk more about that and uh, how yeah. how is that being assured?
0: Okay, so normally during the first session, I will explain to them that uh, to kind of uh, reassure them. Because uh, quite a number of them that I work with, they are from the corporate. So if they're from the corporate, they also have this kind of fear whereby whatever that we share or that we discuss in the session, we make known to their manager or their bosses. I think that's the thing that I need to assure them. Because of this whole professional ethics that we uh, hold on to, the uh, idea about things that is being shared in the session will be confidential and that is to assure them that they are not to be worried or to be anxious that whatever they share will be actually leaked out or, or conveyed to someone else. So it's confidential, but there's always what we call the limits of confidentiality. That's where I also uh, ensure that they understand there are certain limitations that we uh, that we may in such um, kind of environment or situation that we may have to break. For example, things like uh, if you present with a suicidal ideation, There is, uh, you have a clear thoughts on what to do and what to kind of like uh, attempt the time or the place. And of course, the other area will be more uh, serious, whereby there will be a sense of like you want to harm someone else. So, besides these two main areas that uh, normally I will uh, explain to them, other than that, most of the time, they are rest assured because their main concern is not this.
1: Yeah, most Mm -hmm. of the time, as I mentioned earlier, right, Uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. an untrained person or even people who say that they know about depression because they read a lot, right? Nothing compared to someone who has gone through in years and years of uh, formal training and experience. So, how do you say or, you know, uh, decide or diagnose someone is uh, clinically depressed versus, you know, what they call, what, situational depressed, you know?
0: or this, uh, things like uh, being uh, like in a situation that you're feeling a bit more depressed, right? Okay, yeah. normally in my situation, I uh, I will not really use the word diagnose, but I will do a screening test, but I will not do it... I mean, I will do it in the first session, but it will not be something conclusive. So I will take this approach that let's observe. Because the thing about depression is that we wouldn't know a person fully when you just come for the first session. It takes some time. Some, sometimes uh, we will take about three four five sessions to really evaluate whether is it really a call for depression because it may not be really true to a first session so i would say that take a kind of like wait and see approach but generally i will use terms like to describe to my patient or clients that there's there seems to be some signs of depression but i would not kind of like label it that you have depression you have a clinical depression Because sometimes when you do such labeling, it can be quite disempowering to them that now I have this condition, it's good because in a way that I know what I'm having. But on on the other hand, it's quite labeling towards the person, the individual.
1: Yeah, so you you, you have Mm. to really thread on a very thin line sometimes uh, to to say things correctly, you know, because it does uh, make a person uh, behave. Uh, wrongly or differently, or in a very negative way, uh, if you uh, uh, say the wrong things uh, and and not understanding uh, his or her situation very well.
0: Yeah, Because Mm. you see, my role as a psychologist, I will try not to uh, use uh, a lot of such labels. If let's say they really, uh, I mean if they are really keen to have a a proper labeling, or they want to have that kind of like uh, being being so-called diagnosed, I'll refer them to see a psychiatrist. Who can provide them the diagnosis? So for me, I would probably tell them that these are all the symptoms. It seems that you might have all this, but the most important thing about having whatever symptoms that or whatever term or diagnosis that you have, right? The important thing is that how to help you. Because the crux is not so much of you have depression. Because having a having depression as a condition, right, doesn't change anything except for looking at what caused it, what are the factors that contribute to this, and how can we alleviate that part. What can we
2: do? Yeah, I think uh, so far we have been talking about how depression affects the individual, right? You know, if you are feeling depressed or, in fact, you have depression, uh, how how it's infecting you and what are the, you know, dangers and all that. Uh, maybe we want to expand it a little and see how, if I let's say I am experiencing depression or I have you
0: know in depression, how will it affect other people around me? uh that is a very good point because sometimes right we thought that having depression is a personal issue but we do not know that if i have depression or i'm going through depression it affects a lot of people around me because we don't live on an island by, our, by ourselves so we have friends we have family we have colleagues we have like children so whoever that's around us does uh impact their own psychosocial being for example Imagine, right, if you are having depression, in this case, quote-unquote depression, and you are always having uh, spurts of anger, outbursts, or having highly irritable, and sometimes you burst into tears. Imagine if you are a child and you look at your father experiencing that. What would be your impression? How would you feel? What is going on? Are, are there a lot of questions that's in your mind? Are you really, really confused what's going on? Is it because something happened, something bad happened, or what? You know, so so this so this is an impact just for a child. Let's say for an adult who is let's say your spouse, what would, what would that mean to them? A person who is having depression, uh, I mean their husband having having depression, what how would they deal with it? Or how can they come alongside with them? Did the husband share with them what's going on? Are they feeling very isolated as a wife, that I'm helpless, I don't know what to do for my husband, and many, many other things?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think relationships will be affected, very likely affected. Uh, and, you know, even your friends, uh, they might have all the good intentions, but after a while, they will say, Well, I can't stand being with this guy. <laughs> it, yeah. I think depression can be contagious, right? <laughs> the negativity, um, you know. Yeah. The pessimism. I mean, <laughs>
0: contagious in the sense that uh, it will impact people that's around you. Mood, yeah, are, It affects your, uh, and your and
2: then, own emotional yeah. moods and all that.
0: And then sometimes it's quite long, long term. Like for example, like mm-hmm. as what well you mentioned, your friends dealing with you for such a long time, they feel a little bit frustrated as well. Not to uh, not to say about your family members because they are they are the ones with you most of the time. So the that's energy great. has been zapped out. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. So, uh, Eugene, now that uh, we've spoken about you are depressed, so now can we just you know before we close how to prevent depression i mean maybe from uh you know what how to for example, not not fall into this uh a state where we put ourselves in
0: well that's uh one of the hardest question how to prevent depression if you honestly i don't really if, if there is a
2: way i think eugene and people like him will be
0: out of business <laughs> okay. uh, Yes, in a way. i mean i mean yes we can we can reduce the risk of depression because as i mentioned earlier it's a multi-factor issue so, to prevent it is really difficult, but to reduce the risk, I think that is still possible. I think that's where nowadays, right, with a lot of like, uh, input on uh, ideas about resilience, role mindset, it does help to reduce the tendency of one falling into depression because I'm not too sure they explained this analogy to, uh, to the audience before. Actually, depression is something like a uh, illustration of a volcano. So all of us are are like volcanoes. We have a predisposed set of like uh, energy level. So it depends on how much energy level that we have. So the more that we have, the lighting of a trigger that will trigger off the eruption will be easier and faster. But those who have a low dose of energy, right, it takes a bit longer, uh, probably more triggers and more factors in order to allow the volcano to erupt. So similarly, right, if we can reduce the risk or to uh, kind of like manage the triggers from uh, occurring or helping the person to be more resilient in situations of such, right? To kind of like prepare themselves for future possible situations that cause uh, stress, anxiety, I think that will help in the reducing the risk of having, having clinical depression.
1: Yeah, so I was also thinking of another analogy because the uh, depression is about, I mean, events do happen. Depressing events, sad events do happen. So they can't stop it. It happens yeah. to us uh, as human beings. So be like a tree, right? So a tree, for example, if it rains, okay, it, it, it take it as uh, something that nourishes it. Okay, water and nourishing it then if let's say you know it, it is the Sun it will somehow you know try to stretch its arm you know our uh, branches to to closer to the sun you know for uh, for energy and for uh, source of life and if uh, the roots are you know uh, you know have no room to grow it will just grow upwards okay so again the resilience part is, is very important and for us yeah. to uh, realize that uh, you know, bad things happen uh, uh, bad news. Uh, sometimes uh, it's pushed to us. For example, we uh, for example, don't watch too much news because news are usually bad <laughs> news. I was told some of family members, you know, and our generation lah. But my my kids probably go to TikTok and not social media. I mean, what catches attention is bad news and people mm. fighting and uh, accident, fire. You know, just imagine you see this every day. I don't know whether it helps. So when I say when I ask about for something like how to prevent, sometimes we can, you know. You know, look at nice things, happy things, you know, rather than looking yeah. at the bad and negative things in life and be positive about things.
0: Correct. That's, 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 that's absolutely right. Because we are trying to, uh, I mean, if we keep looking at negative things, we are accumulating just at, at a point whereby it is at the optimal, it will just break. So it's good to always look at positive things, which we tend not to do so because it may not, sometimes it may not be so interesting. Something that's negative, that's very bizarre, tends to be more captivating.
1: Yeah. yeah that's so, true
0: and...
1: <laughs> yeah. Ha- happiness is uh, everywhere. It's a matter of us uh, finding it uh, yeah. the way we want it. Some of All us right. may want to find happiness in material things. So you realize that later, material things does not give actually give you happiness. It gives you more problems sometimes if you overdo All it. Right.
2: Yeah. So you I know. I think I, it's it's I also a good habit go to.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think I like the way you uh, kind of use the tree as an illustration. I think it uh, kind of like bring me to this concept, which which is what exactly you uh, probably explain is called connective reappraisal. So sometimes it's about the way we reappraise the situation that cause us to have different mindset and also different emotion and respond. So I think that's really really important. Whether it's the sun or the rain, depends on how we look at it.
2: Yeah, another way to look at it is the detox. I think it's good to have a regime where we not only detox our body, we detox our minds, our emotions, you know. Uh, and, you know, like the like the old saying, wake up and smell the roses, right? Um, so, but today it's very hard to do that because we're all wearing masks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, well, but there's the a good thing, there's a latest uh, research in UK that says, men
1: who wear the medical mask looks more attractive to women so oh, maybe, wow all yeah, right guys
2: so... <laughs> <laughs> but i don't want to it, continue the wearing a mask
1: yeah for you you're really attractive so you don't need a mask boxer. oh
2: thank you very much
1: yes. <laughs> anyway thank you very much gentlemen i mean thank you it was such an interesting uh, conversation we will come back again on our next episode of mehru 2.0 for more interesting topic that relates to us men especially and families right so let's call it a day thank you very much thank you see you bye Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye bye. this is the WADT podcast and thank you for listening if you have enjoyed today's episode be sure to like follow or subscribe so that you will not miss any episodes share the link to this episode with someone you think that will benefit from it we want to know What you think of this episode too? Please feel free to share your comments on one of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. You can also email weardeads2 at gmail.com if you have a question or need help. Till next time, this is Hafiz and Baksan signing off.